Welcome to the Lakeside Baptist Church Podcast. We pray you are blessed as you hear the Word of God today. For more information regarding Lakeside Baptist Church, please visit lakeside.asn.au. take a seat. Uh, Thanks for that, Brett. I appreciate that. Uh, We are going to be continuing our our way through the book of James. Uh, For those who don't know me, my name is Brayden. I'm one of the pastors here. We've been making our way through uh, the book of James. We've made it up to chapter 5, so we're doing pretty well. We're on the home uh, straight now. Uh, But before we get into our passage, uh, when I was in year 8, Uh, my health teacher uh, gathered all of the boys into one classroom and started talking about things uh, that made us feel quite uncomfortable and had conversations that we hadn't had before. Uh, And as we joked and giggled about uh, the nature of what was discussed by our health teacher with this group of boys, uh, we also noticed as much as we felt uncomfortable in, in that discussion, Uh, our teacher also felt uncomfortable. Uh, This was, of course, sex ed. It was not a fun time. It felt very uncomfortable for all of us. Uh, And it felt very uncomfortable for our teacher as well, who had to deal with a bunch of year eight boys uh, dealing with that topic. Uh, And and as we get to uh, James chapter five, uh, we have another one of those awkward conversations. Uh, and so, uh, for my time in Year 8, uh, the Education Department decided that that topic was something that was important to be discussed. Uh, they determined that even though it was an awkward conversation and that the kids would hate it, the teacher would hate it, and they didn't want to teach it, uh, and we didn't want to listen to it, uh, they determined that it was an important thing for us to talk about. It was an important thing for the Education Department to teach kids, uh, and, and so they could you know, go off and live their lives in a safe uh, way. Uh, and for us, uh, as we come to our topic, it's a bit of an awkward one, uh, both for me and for you. Uh, it is the topic of money. Uh, and, and to be honest, uh, as a pastor, uh, talking about this topic, I'd probably rather be back in year eight in that health class again. Uh, it, is a, it is a bit of an awkward one to, to talk about money and to discuss money, uh, but uh, as we make our way through the book of James, it is a topic that comes up, and just like the education department determined that it was an important thing uh, for us to discuss some of those things that felt uncomfortable, uh, the Bible also makes a point of talking about money because it is an important thing for us to discuss. And so we want to be faithful to God's Word. Uh, We we want to make sure that we discuss things that the Bible uh, and God sees as significant things for us to discuss. Uh, And we also, um, as the world disciples you and teaches you all about money, we also want to disciple you back uh, to what God says and have a godly attitude towards money. Um, This is not something that we're discussing because uh, we just want more money. Uh, There is no private jet fund for Lakeside. Uh, That's not what we're going for. And historically, Lakeside has been a very generous church. Um, And so we want to thank you for for you who have given generously uh, over the years to uh, both Lakeside as a church, but then also to other organizations as well, uh, which has helped uh, the kingdom and the growth of the kingdom immensely. 
Um, so, uh, I've got this encouraging passage for you. It's in James chapter 5. Um, I hope this one really, really kind of makes you feel warm and fuzzy. Uh, it goes like this. Now listen, you rich people, weep and wail because of the misery that is coming on you. Is your heart warm? Your wealth has rotted and moss have eaten your clothes. Your gold and silver are corroded. Their corrosion will testify against you and eat your flesh like fire. You have hoarded wealth in the last days. Look, the wages you failed to pay, the workers who mowed your fields are crying out against you. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. You have lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You have fattened yourselves in the day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered the innocent one who was not opposing you. Everyone feel good? Yeah, it's great. Good heartwarming passage to start off our, our school holidays. Uh, and, and as we uh, go through that, what's going to happen is I'm going to kind of explain a few things uh, that are in the background, uh, and then we're going to look at uh, the first three verses and then the second three verses. Uh, so broadly speaking, uh, so James addresses uh, these people called the rich. Um, and this is quite Old Testamenty. James is quite an Old Testament kind of guy. Uh, and when he's talking about the rich, he's using it as it sometimes appears in the Old Testament. He's not talking to people that just happen to have a lot of money, uh, but people who are oppressors with their wealth. So, so James is talking to these rich, or he's talking against uh, these rich people uh, who have used their wealth to oppress others. So it's not just people who have money, but people who use their money and love their money uh, and, and, and use it against people who God has made. Uh, the second thing, it's a very Old Testament prophet-like, uh, and the way that it goes uh, probably indicate that it's not towards specifically the church. Um, so normally when there's a prophecy towards the church, uh, we're talking about uh, opportunities for repentance and how to come back to God. Uh, but when there's prophecy against uh, places outside of God's people, uh, normally it's just fire and brimstone, which is kind of like this one, right? There's not really like any kind of encouraging bit at the end. Um, and so that's what's happening through here. Uh, so quite likely, uh, we, we've talked as we've gone through James that most of the people in James are probably quite poor. Uh, and it's not so much a condemnation of the poor people in James, uh, but quite likely it is a commentary uh, for them to persevere uh, with people who are around them who are oppressing them. And so what's, uh, what commentators will, will say when they approach this passage is it's quite likely that there is a bunch of poor people in uh, the church that James is writing to who are oppressed by the rich. And naturally, if you are a poor person being oppressed by the rich, you want some of what they have, right? Like you would be envious of their situation because their situation, you know, they're eating whatever food they want, they're having a good time, they've got gold, silver, life is good for them, and then life is pretty terrible for the poor person when that's happening. And so what James is offering for them, he's saying, don't envy the rich. Don't envy these rich people because look at what is coming, Look at, and, and as we see, if we continue through James, uh, Peter's going to look at this next week, uh, to, to persevere. Don't envy the rich. That is not where we want to be. Their time is coming. Their end is not great. And, and so he's calling for the church that, to, to persevere and not to become envious of people who have not got it right. And that's a fairly simple message, uh, but it's actually really hard for us to contextualize. So 
it's not it, like we're in Australia, okay? So it's a hard one because we're 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 up there, and so we're not necessarily the rich in the way that this passage is talking about, but we are certainly wealthy people. We are we are not uh, being oppressed by the rich. We are the wealthy people that have the power to be the rich. And so the, the way that we can apply this passage and look at how this passage applies to our own lives isn't to persevere uh, in, in our poorness and in our oppression, but rather in our wealth, we do not want to become the rich because we see what is coming for them. We see what happens to the rich. We are wealthy, but we don't want to become the rich in this passage. Sound fun? Are we having a good time? Are we all really comfortable? This is great, right? Uh, so, verses 1 to 3, uh, we have... So, now listen, you rich people, weep and wail because of the misery that is coming on you. Your wealth has rotted and moths have eaten your clothes. Your gold and silver are corroded. Their corrosion will testify against you and eaten your flesh like fire. Does not sound like fun. You have hoarded wealth in the last days. And so, the point of, of this... Uh, first three verses is that the rich uh, will lose the thing that they love. God isn't specifically coming at them with fire and brimstone, but the pain is they will lose the thing that they love deeply. Their riches will fade away. The thing that they have worked their life for, the thing that they have saved up, the thing that they have built their identity around is gone. It will go. It will disappear, and that will eat their flesh like fire. Because when you lose the thing that you love, it is painful. And that time will come when everything will fade away, everything turns back to dust, and if that's what they love, it will be gone, and that will break them. Uh, we, over the Easter weekend, we ran an Easter camp. Uh, we had a great time. Uh, it was much more positive uh, than this passage. Uh, and uh, when I was setting up for that camp, uh, I was setting up some volleyball poles because young adults love volleyball. Uh, and as I was digging the hole, the sand was cold and my fingers started to get a little bit kind of skinnier uh, in their coldness. Uh, I went to go wash uh, my hand in the ocean to get all the sand off and I felt this weird thing slip off my finger my wedding ring disappeared into the ocean. Uh, and the ocean is quite large. Uh, it's quite hard to find a wedding ring in the ocean. And in that moment, uh, I was very sad. I was broken because this thing that I loved was gone in the ocean. Now, luckily, uh, my father-in-law is Jim Hare, uh, and he has a friend called Kev Black, uh, and they, they spent hours sifting through the sand, uh, and after hours of digging uh, through, through the sand, they managed to find it. So I'm back in action, uh, married again, uh, feels great, um, really, really good. But in that moment, when I lost that thing, I realised how much I loved it, right? So like every day, like you wear your wedding, you like you don't think about it. Like it's just a thing that you wear. And when I lost it, I was like, goodness me, this is the thing that my wife gave me on my wedding day. It has so much significant meaning to me, and now it is gone. And when it was gone, it hurt. 
I was sad. And quite often we, we have wealth and we have money and we don't realize how much we care about it until it is gone. And it breaks us. And for many people, we, we're living our lives and one day when that wealth is gone, if that is the thing that we love, if that is where our heart is, it will break us. It will hurt. If it is our God, when it goes, just like how much I valued my wedding ring when it was gone, I realized how much I loved it and how much it hurt to lose it. And sometimes we don't realize money becoming the thing that we love because it's just there. It's just in our lives. We earn it, we work for it, we spend it, and it's just there. But then when we, when we find that day when we lose it and it all fades away, then we realize how much we loved it. And this is a scary thing because money, it manages to become our God without us realizing it. And so we, we find ourselves working harder to get more of it. We, we find ourselves kind of protecting it, making sure that no one can take our money. Uh, when, when someone comes up and preaches that money, we kind of dip our wallet closer into our pocket to make sure no one can do any sneaky extra offerings. Uh, but but we, we don't realize how we try and serve this God of money. We dream about the things that we can do with our money and we're scrolling through uh, Facebook Marketplace looking for all the things we can spend our money on. Uh, and, and, and it becomes our identity as well. We think about, look at my paycheck. I'm better than all these people that don't have a paycheck as big as mine. Uh, and, and we start to, to build this love of this thing that we've served and this thing that we've collected and it forms this thing that we love at the center of our lives, and when it disappears, when it does, we will be broken. Because as it creeps into the center, as it creeps in and becomes our God, when it finally disappears, we will be broken because the thing that we have loved and served our whole lives will be gone. And for, for sometimes, like, we won't realize how much we loved it until it is gone. And we won't realize how it was our God until it was gone. Until we had to physically separate ourselves from it, we didn't realize how much it meant to us. Uh, there's the story uh, that uh, it comes up in the Bible where Jesus encounters this young guy uh, who is kind of like this ruler or this prince or, or some sort of kind of big deal. And he's a good guy. He follows all the rules. He comes to church every week. He, he tithes his money. He, he helps um, out at youth group uh, every Saturday night. He's doing all the right things, and he even realizes that something isn't quite right. And he has the humility to come to God and ask the question, Lord, what must I do to be saved? And God does the test. How much do you love your money? And it turns out, a lot. The guy goes away sad because the thought of losing this thing that he loved would break him. Money can be our God even when we come to church and even when we're good people and even when we do all the right things. Money can become our God and it is only until we, it comes to us separating from our, ourselves from it is we realize how much we love it. And sometimes we kind of have like this, this smoker's attitude towards money. Uh, so you be like, I can quit anytime I want. Don't feel like it. Sometimes, so sometimes we go, oh, like you know, this is like, yeah, I have all this money, but I don't love it that much. I could give it away right now. No worries. I just don't feel like it. 
And until it comes to us physically having to separate it, we find the true centeredness of money in our lives. We talk about how we could give it up. We feel like we could give it up, but it's not until we physically have to separate ourselves from that money. When we physically see it gone, we realize how much it is at the center of our lives. And so our solution that God gives us, one of the ways that we can, can work uh, around this and work through this and to work money out of the center of our lives is giving. And I want us to kind of reshape how we think about giving because like, I know when you come to church, you, like, you've got a lot of things on your mind. It is hard to be a Christian. You know, like, I'm not reading my Bible enough, I'm not praying enough, I'm not giving enough, I'm not doing any of the right things enough, uh, and now there's another thing that I have to do, uh, and I have to do it better because they made me feel guilty. And I don't want us to feel like money is something that we do because we feel guilty and because we have to do it, uh, and so we have to find some way of do it being better. But I want us to think of giving as a gift from God. Money is, giving is a gift from God. It's like prayer. We, we struggle with it. We wrestle with it. It feels like a chore. But prayer is a gift from God because we get to communicate with Him. And giving is a gift from God that He has given us because it helps us to remove money at the center of our lives from taking over and, and, and hurting us in the end. When we sacrifice our money and give it away, we physically separate ourselves from our money and from that being the thing that we love because... Like, because it can't be at the center if we're willing to sacrifice it. I won't give away my wedding ring because I love it and, and it matters the world to me that, that I get to be married to Rach and, and, it, and I wouldn't give it away because I love it. And if, we, and if we can't give our money away, we, it's because we love it too much. And so as we give, we say, I don't love this thing. I don't love this thing. Something else matters more. Something else is at the center of our life. And so as we sacrifice our money, we say, I don't love it. We push it away from the center so God can be the center of our lives. And it's even more of a gift because as we sacrifice, and as we feel the pain of that sacrifice, as we feel the pain of, of giving up things in our lives that would be really fun and, or make life easier or whatever, as we turn around and we look at the cross, we start to gain a greater understanding of the sacrifice that God made for us. As we feel the pain of the sacrifice of giving up something that, that could make life much easier and much greater and make our lives easier, as we, as we feel that pain, we think about the sacrifice of Jesus dying on the cross for our sins. And so as we give, it amplifies for us the joy that we have in Christ and the joy that God would sacrifice His Son for us. And so giving is hard, Giving, giving is hard. It is something that is hard for us to do, but it helps us so much because it gives up, we give up that thing that is going to hurt us and break us, and it helps us to recognize the joy we have in Christ because of the sacrifice that He makes for us. Giving is a gift from God. It is a gift that God gives us that helps us to draw close to Him. And if we were to think about some practical things in, in terms of what that looks like, uh, I've got three tips uh, broadly under the sense of give sacrificially. 
So, so one, uh, give always, not just when you kind of have enough. So in the same way that we wouldn't start praying, you know, when we get to a certain point in life, uh, we, want to, we want to enjoy the gift of giving throughout all stages of life. And so if you've got 10 bucks of pocket money and that's all you have, it might mean that you're sacrificing a bag of lollies so you can give. Feel the sacrifice and then think about the sacrifice of Jesus. And as time goes on, like you like, continue to give in all stages of life, even when it's hard, even when finances are tight, continue to sacrifice. And so you can, you can get rid of money from being the center, experience the joy of Jesus and look to that sacrifice. Secondly, uh, give enough to cost yourself something. So if, if you can give and you don't even feel it and you don't notice it, like I would encourage you to consider how much you are giving. So give, give enough so it is a genuine sacrifice. So once again, you are giving up, you are pushing it out of the center because you are losing something. You are seeing it go and then you can feel the sacrifice and turn around and see the cross. Give enough so it costs, even if it's a, a cup of coffee, you're like, all right, I can't have a cup of coffee because I'm giving uh, and I can feel that sacrifice because I'm decaffeinated and I can look at the cross and enjoy. Imagine, imagine giving up more than a coffee. Imagine giving up your life. But give enough so it actually costs you something. Uh, and then lastly, in terms of how much you give, make sure a portion of that doesn't benefit you at all. So give a portion of your money towards something that won't physically benefit you in return. So sometimes it's really easy to just give things that we're, to, that we're really passionate about and that we're involved in. Um, and so if you, you, know, you lead youth group and it's like, oh, it'd be really fun to have a bouncy castle at youth group, so I'll just donate a bouncy castle and that's my tithe. But it becomes more of a transaction, right? So it's not so much of a sacrifice. I'm giving something up, but it's asking me, like, oh, if I give money to, to youth group and get a bouncy castle, then I'm going to have so much more fun at youth group. But make sure a portion, like we can, we can give towards things we are passionate about. If you want to give a bouncy cast towards youth group, I'm sure they would appreciate it and you can jump around on it as much as you want. Be great. But make sure a portion of your money is a genuine sacrifice to you. One that doesn't benefit you at all. It's not a transaction. It doesn't give you more control uh, over the church or anything like that. It is something that doesn't benefit you at all. It's a sacrifice. Make sure a portion is a genuine sacrifice to you that doesn't benefit you at all. All right, second three verses. Uh, this will be quicker because we're I'm getting getting carried away. Uh, so, verse four: Look, the wages you failed to pay the workers who mowed your fields are crying out against you. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. You have lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You have fattened yourselves in the day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered the innocent one. When Money becomes the center of our lives. Things that God cares about drifts away from the center. And, and one of the things that God is deeply, deeply passionate about is our love for people. And, and specifically, God cares, and he's demonstrated his care throughout uh, the Bible, his concern for the poor. And when money becomes the center, history tells us when, when we love money so much, we will happily exploit people. We will happily take advantage of people if money is the center. And so as, 
we sit here with wealth, we want to make sure that God is the centre and that we demonstrate God's love for all people, particularly the poor, particularly the oppressed. Uh, in, Jesus has another interaction with the Pharisees. Uh, so the Pharisees, super religious, follow all the rules again. They're at church every Sunday, they're early, they're helping out a youth group as well, uh, and they're tithing 10% of everything. So they're being pretty generous. Jesus calls them out for their lack of generosity. Not because they weren't giving just enough money, but because they didn't care about the poor. Jesus says, you follow the rules perfectly, but you don't care. You don't care. And God calls us not just to be generous and to give and follow the rules and and tick another box, but we need to, when, when money is removed from the center of our life, God is the center and our love for his creation his people comes to the center. Not rules don't come to the center, God comes to the center. And we, with our wealth, need to love and care for people, especially the poor. And so as we as we think about how we give, we want to have a deep concern for those who are poor and oppressed. This is something we want to be ethical with how we spend our money and we want to care about those who are less fortunate than us. Uh, Today, uh, we're actually talking about this morning, like slavery is still very, very prevalent. Very, very prevalent. In fact, it's growing. Like slavery is a growing industry. And some of the goods and services that we can purchase are, are made by people who are not paid their wages, just like this passage. Some of the clothes that we can buy, the people who made them aren't paid a fair wage. They can't feed their family. And so we, we want to be ethical in how we spend our money on food and, and clothes and, and any other resource we can. We want to be ethical in the way that we spend our money and have concern for the poor. We want, to have, we want to have concern about how people can be taken advantage of. We, we don't want that to happen and we don't want to be a part of that. We want people who, who we work with, wherever it is in the world, to be paid a fair wage and, and to not be oppressed by our wealth. Uh, and so we want to be ethical in how we give. Um, Lakeside um, works with, with Baptist World Aid uh, and they have an arm called Catalyst um, and they help us with that. And so if you, if you are interested in like knowing, which I, I really hope you would be, in, in how you can buy clothes that are ethical uh, and how you can get food that is ethical and all that kind of information and resources, uh, you can talk with our, our Catalyst people at Lakeside. So that's Wayne Powers and, and Daz Plenty uh, both kind of head up that Catalyst arm. Uh, and you can find out like wh- how can we buy more ethically? How can we make sure the goods and services that we have aren't things that, where people aren't paid a fair wage because we love people. And it's not, it's not a virtue signal. It's not so that we can sleep better at night. It's not so we can kind of show everyone that we're better than everyone else, but we genuinely love and care for people because God is at the centre of our lives. God made all people, and we want to love and care for them. It's not, a, it's not a guilt trip to kind of make you feel like you, it's another thing that you're not doing well, but we want to have a love and concern for all people 
Do we want to spend our money ethically? We want to give our money in a way that represents our concern for the poor. Uh, and, and as you think about that and reflect on that as well, I want to give you one more um, kind of idea. Is, is, so in two weeks' time, uh, I believe May, it's the beginning of May, and May is our Beyond the Gate uh, giving month, um, and, and this supports uh, things beyond our church, people hearing the gospel all over the world, people who don't have access to adequate food, uh, health resources, and all sorts of things. No, there's no, like, we're not getting pay raises from any of this money. It's not anything that actually benefits us directly at all. It is money that helps people who are poor, people who are oppressed, people who don't have opportunities to hear the gospel. And so as you do your budgeting and as you think about giving and how you can support the poor, think about beyond the gate. Start thinking about it now. Start to think about how we can show God's love and concern for all people. Um, if giving is something that you've never done before, um, I am no expert. And all advice is, is general uh, and all that kind of stuff. Not specific financial advice. Not general only in nature. Uh, whatever that, all that stuff. I'm still new, I'm young, I'm still learning how to do it. But if you have never done giving before, uh, this is, I'm just going to give you a brief overview of how we do it. So then you've got something to work with if, you, if you've never done any giving stuff before. There's people that are probably way better than me, but I want to give you something to work with, okay? General only in nature. So we have a, a bank account uh, that's kind of attached to all of our other bank accounts, uh, and every pay slip that comes in, we take a chunk of that money that we've decided that goes straight into that account. And we call that account money for others. In that, we have an automatic transaction that goes into the things that we have, we have decided to give towards, so, so church, beyond the gate, uh, and various other things, like ministries that we support. Uh, and then, on top of that, we have some leftover money. Uh, and that is our, our, just our general generosity money, where we just give towards whatever needs it. So if youth group needs a bouncy castle, off we go. If we work with young adults, they're poor. They need a coffee, off we go. But we can have fun with our, with our generosity and, and help people who, who need it. If there's someone that, that, that needs money or there's a cause that we feel like that needs money, we have that extra money there that we can give and be generous. And each time we do that, we, we, we sacrifice some of our money so that we can say, we don't need uh, whatever it is that we have given up because of that. And then as we look to the cross and see the sacrifice that Jesus made, we stand in awe. We feel the joy of Christ. So I want to encourage you guys, be generous. Don't let money be the center of your lives. Let God be the center and experience the joy that it is in seeing the magnitude of the sacrifice for your giving and, and don't find yourself where money is torn away from you. Experience the joy of having Jesus at the centre. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up and I'm going to pray. Father, we want to thank you that you are a good and generous God. We want to thank you for your son Jesus and how you would sacrifice him on the cross for our sins. Lord, that is a generous gift. 
and we are so thankful. Help us not to let money become the centre of our lives. Help us not to become consumed with money, but rather be generous and enjoy the, the gift of giving as we remove money from the centre of our lives and we see the sacrifice of Jesus. Help us, Lord, because we need you in our lives. In your name we pray. Amen. Please stand. We're going to sing one more.